0: The views and opinions expressed on my story living with lupus podcast are each individual's experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Henry Long, the author of Positive Energy, 24-7 24-7. You can purchase an autographed copy of his motivational book and you can also purchase the e-book version at WritePath247.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-P-A-T-H-247.com. You can also follow him on Instagram. At Right Path 247. <music> Premio Handmade Gemstone Bracelets carries an array of men's and women's bracelets, along with a line of lupus awareness and cancer awareness gemstone bracelets. You can follow them on Facebook or visit their store at Etsy.com or their website at www.premiobracelets.com. That's P-R-E-M-I-O-P-R-A-C-E-L-E-T-S. Planting seeds to grow food and creating opportunities for people and families. You can contact this nonprofit organization at www.abundantharvestaquaponics.org. Chronic diseases such as diabetes, COPD, Cancer, depression, lupus, and heart disease are the leading causes of death and disability in the United States and accounts for the vast majority of health care spending. More than one in two American adults lives with at least one chronic condition and nearly one in three live with two or more chronic conditions. The United States cannot effectively address escalating health care costs without addressing the problems of chronic diseases. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to my story, Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and today we have a special guest for you. Today, I have a special guest for you. He is the executive director of the Chronic Disease Coalition. He is the former state representative from Oregon's 37th district. He has provided on a regular basis expert analysis and both politics and advocacy issues. He is also a type 1 diabetic, and he is the father to a daughter who is also a type 1 diabetic. Please welcome Scott Bruin. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, thank you, Susan. It's just a pleasure to be on your show.
0: Thank you. Scott, before we get started, could you tell our listening audience, how did you find out that you were a type 1 diabetic?
1: Oh goodness, that's a, that's a great question. I was 15 years old and I prided myself on being a very good basketball player, you know, of course played for the high school teams and all that. And there was, there was a time period going on where I was, you know, all those classic symptoms, but of course until you're diagnosed, you never search for a 15 year old kid, you never think about that. So over, over the course of some weeks, I was, I had, I was always tall, I was probably 6'2 at the time, but I had lost a considerable amount of weight. Uh, I mean, more than I even realized, it was very thin. Even though I was eating like a uh, like a horse, also constantly, constantly thirsty. I mean, you just get, if you had other you know type one diabetes patients, that you just can't explain the insatiable thirst that's, that's happening. And so I would you know I would uh, go get a big glass of water, head to the bathroom, big glass of water, head to the bathroom, almost almost that uh, almost on a repetitive basis like that. So this was going on for some time, and, and as I mentioned, I. I Pride myself on being a good basketball player. Well, one afternoon I, I was out in uh, living with my father in Portland, and I was out in our driveway where we had a, a basketball hoop set up. And I was shooting around, and if I recall, I took something like 10 or 12 shots at the basket and airballed every single one of them. <laughs> oh, my dad And that's when I said to my dad, I said, Dad, there is something really, really wrong. And so we actually got in the car that afternoon. We had to do a, a emergency room hospital, and that's when I was diagnosed with diabetes.
0: Okay, now when it came to your daughter... Um what was she experiencing was it similar yeah. conditions
1: you know it's interesting so she so i was 15 she was 10 and of course we we knew that there was always a risk in fact it was even a more acute risk cuz not only did i have type 1 diabetes uh, but my wife's mother also had, uh, type 1 diabetes and she actually, uh, didn't get it until she was in her 40s. So it was an adult onset type 1 diabetes. Anyway, it was the summer, uh, you know, she's 16 now. So it was, it was six years ago and we were at a, uh, you a resort place in the mountains. Here in, or actually, in the kind of the high desert here in Oregon, and it was you know it was hot and just you know riding bikes and hiking and all those sorts of things, and she was doing everything with us. I mean, she she was uh, you know not complaining about anything. Uh, but she was awfully, you know, we can go back and look at the photos now and realize how thin she was. And she also was experiencing, uh, yeah, I recall the hunger so much, but I do recall the, the thirst. And at the time, uh, you know, it, it is as silly as it seems with a, with a father that has diabetes. I, we were kind of chalking this up to, you know, just growing pains and, and, and whatnot. Well, it was last night of our, of our stay at this, at this, um, at this resort in a vacation place, and my other, I have an older daughter as well, and they had been sharing basically a bunk room together, and the, the, the morning, it was a Sunday morning, and it was the last morning before we were leaving, and my older daughter came downstairs, who was, I think, 13 at the time, and she, and she looked at me, and she was horribly, Uh, Katie, and that's the younger daughter, the one that now has diabetes, she said Katie was up all night going to the bathroom. She must have gone to the bathroom eight times. Well, that's when the red alert went on for me, and so we got Katie out of bed, of course, and uh, I carry a glucometer with me, which is a device that we can test blood sugars, because that's what people with diabetes have to do multiple times every day to test their blood sugar. And so we actually, uh, you know, used that, uh, you know, we we took a, a blood test with her, and it was, you know, high three hundreds, and you know it's like if, if any parents ever experienced that, it's like it's like being stabbed in the chest, being stabbed right. in the heart. It was just you know I knew and I knew in an instant that you know that you know I mean she of course hadn't been diagnosed yet, but I knew in an instant that she had diabetes and would spend the rest of her life dealing with that just as I had. So we you know as, as we piled her in the car, we we actually um, you know we stopped. It was about a three hour trip to get home to Portland uh we and we were, we called our doctor and got a hold of her on a sunday and she said get her straight to the emergency room at at a, at a children's hospital in portland so we as i said we packed up the car we even stopped for lunch uh because everybody was hungry and and i remember you know how delighted my younger daughter was when we got her it was frankly it was a it was a cheeseburger meal And we just, you know, I knew enough at that point even to let's, let's not give her the bun right now because she doesn't have any insulin in her and just get the protein and the vegetables in her. Anyways, we got to the hospital and then of course that was correct. And so we've been uh, living with that with her uh, for the last six years and she's doing great. Um, She's got, you know, she's got an insulin pump technology. She's got a continuous glucose monitor. And while she can, can never forget the disease, the technology is such that it makes it just so much easier than when I was first diagnosed.
0: Okay, for the listeners who are unfamiliar with the Chronic Disease Coalition, would you please tell the listeners exactly what your organization is about and the organization's mission?
1: Yes, our organization really, we are a 501c6 and our our mission is to fight for patient rights, patient access rights. And I like to say we, we we fight for patients by fighting against discrimination. So what we've discovered, you know, we we don't have any particular specific chronic disease. We we welcome all chronic disease, all chronic disease patients, family members, providers, all the sorts of things. And and you won't be surprised, Susan. There is discrimination wherever you go in the chronic disease world. There always has been, even even when it's well intentioned. There's still a lot of discrimination out there. And that discrimination comes in, in you know many forms, but primarily three forms. All right. um, we still see discrimination in school places, for example, mm-hmm. and, and diabetes is a great example of that, where there's still a lot of schools and school districts across the country that want to segregate kids that have diabetes. Uh, because they don't want the, you know, the disturbance, or, or you know, of having a, a child having food in a classroom, or a child having to, you know, monitor blood sugars or or take insulin in the classroom. It's it's absurd to think about, but there's still school districts that, um, for for whatever reasons, resist that. And so we spend a lot of our efforts, you know, looking to do, lo- looking to to break down those barriers of discrimination in schools uh we also see discrimination in the workplace Um there's still uh, issues with with certain diseases and and employers are reticent or or irresolute to hire people with those diseases or or it becomes problematic for those people so we we also do some work there but where we see and this is i'm I'm kind of leading up to this Mm-hmm. where we see the biggest um sorts of discrimination where we spend the majority of our time is what we call insurance discrimination. Mm-hmm. So this is you know this is the world of medical insurance uh and and how it treats and how it relates to patients with chronic disease and so and I'm sure uh, you've spent a bunch of time thinking and considering this and maybe even experienced it. I'm sure a mm-hmm. lot of your your viewers and listeners have. Uh, but we fight battles with insurance companies across the country, in every state, or most states, I should say, and nationally, uh, just to make sure that, uh, that, that they are not, you know, looking... For the chronic disease patient to save costs, and they, of course they are, and so we fight battles from step therapy to copay accumulators to fail first to, to charitable systems. All these battles, which we could go into more detail, but that's what we do. So our our our, our key is to fight for patients by fighting against discrimination. Uh, and the way we do that, we 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 don't, uh, you know, we uh, we you know we invite and we we look for patients to kind of join with us. We love to get you know. Personal relationships with patients to understand where they are, what their disease is, what their history is. And then we, and then we, you know, we work with them. Most, a lot of times they're already advocates, but we work with them to help, uh, to help them advocate. So if they're in a specific state, uh, that's dealing with a specific issue, we will help them yeah, get, get a hold of their legislature. We'll help them set legislative meetings. We'll help them with the press. Um, you know, we, we, we help our patients. Uh, that are interested in that help to, to get letters to the editor, to the local papers or op-eds to local papers. And even we're, we're, we're very successful in getting broadcast media, if it's, if, if it's a big enough issue, broadcast media to, you know, cover a patient issue and, and stick a microphone under his or her nose to kind of talk about their situation and, uh, whatever, whatever the situation might be. And we've had great luck with this and we're only, we're only heading into our fourth year of operation and we, we, Basically stemmed from a issue here in Oregon. I can go into more detail if you're interested, but it was yeah. a little Oregon issue uh, that we ended up winning, and and we took that notion and and made it and continue to make it nationwide. And uh, we're, we're, there's only five of us at the Chronic Disease Coalition, but I like to say we punch above our weight. <laughs>
0: um, you mentioned step therapy, and for the listening audience who are unfamiliar with step therapy, could you go into that? further because some may think it's like physical therapy which it is not so could you explain that
1: yeah, and I would I would imagine. In fact, I know that it is, and, and some examples that we've seen that step therapy is and may become a bigger issue in the lupus community. So you mentioned that I have type one diabetes. I also have rheumatoid arthritis, which is where I've seen this particular form of discrimination more prominent because of the because of the pharmaceuticals that require. Basically, step therapy is it's otherwise known as fail first, and fail first is probably the easier way to describe it. It's when uh, you know, for example, let's take lupus or let's take um Let's take lupus. I think that's a good, great example. So let's say that, that one of your listeners is is diagnosed with lupus, and, and the doctor for that person says, "Okay, here's 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 what you've got. Here's here's the, the particular, uh, you know, this is what we're seeing with your particular, uh, you know, manifestation of lupus, and you know, here's here's kind of the the based on based on what we're seeing with you, here's here's the treatment regimen. And there may be a treatment regimen that says, you know, you've got you've got it to such a degree or such a know it has to start the the whole insurance process and a lot of times especially with the bigger insurance companies despite what a doctor or a provider may see it may say is the best course of treatment for you the insurance company will say no 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 wait Mm -hmm. slow down not so fast before Mm -hmm. we let you use you know brand X we're going to put you through these cheaper, you know, less yep. expensive treatment therapies and, and see how you do. And that's, you know, and, and, and that's what step therapy is. It basically says the insurance company is going to dictate the treatments that you receive up until the time that you fail those treatments, and then we'll take the next step and may and may at that time, you know, allow you or permit you to use what the doctor ordered. Well, of course, the insurance companies are doing that to control costs and that's that everything they do is to control costs. The problem with step therapy or fail first is the damage that it can cause. Now, if it's a disease that has, you know, that can cause permanent damage and, and you know, arthritis is a great example of that, especially the, the immune system uh, types of arthritis, can cause, you know, a doc, you can have it, it can be a worst case scenario, the doctor can describe, by, you know. Uh, uh, right kind of uh, uh, medication to treat that, but the insurance companies stops it, slows it down, delays it, and in the meantime, the joints are going through irreparable damage, and, and you see it all over the country, and, and that's, that's what's so wrong about step therapy, and yet insurance companies and their lobbyists have been very sophisticated across the country, all the states, or most of the states, and certainly on the national level. Uh, to to implement uh step therapy or or to keep doing step therapy even even medicare uh part b is is they're they're having to deal with a, a push now to 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 go to a step therapy model and it's just wrong
0: it is it it is totally wrong um yeah addressing the burden of chronic disease to promote better health acutely depends upon enhancing not restricting access to evidence-based preventive and medical care, including physicians administered prescription drugs. We have grave concerns that the administration proposed changes to Part B will create significant barriers to access to care for Medicare beneficiaries living with serious and complex and chronic conditions. What is your thought about government stepping in and controlling the healthcare system?
1: Well, I mean, you know, first of all, Susan, your your preface to that is exactly correct. Um, the, 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 you know, you, you, you're taking a community, you know, the Medicare community, which are which which are you know American seniors that have worked all their lives and are now in a position where, of course, as, you, as we get older, we see increasing cases of chronic disease and 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 you know, multiple chronic diseases, comorbidities, as they say. And so, you're taking a population. First of all, and I don't mean this to be belittling at all. No. but, but you're, mm-hmm. taking a, you're taking the most. You're taking the most. Uh, you, we've got the most complex healthcare system in the world. You're dealing with seniors who may or may not have the experience in their life to be able to to do the negotiation with insurance companies. I mean, I feel like you know, I I feel like I've become an expert because I've had to battle for me for you know all my adult right. life. I've got a I've got a daughter that I've got to battle for. So you become more sophisticated. But if you ha- if you don't have that sort of experience set, and all of a sudden you know you're going through the bureaucratic rigmarole. You, know, you may not know that you have that you can fight these things. You may not know that there may be all other alternatives if you're just willing to advocate and fight for yourself. And so sometimes you just kind of, you know, take what's handed to you. And, and 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 as I said, and many many diseases uh, going through that step therapy scenario is a is a you know it can be very damaging. It can be worse than damaging. It can it can be life threatening. And so, um, I you know, to, to your point, Susan, I think it is absolutely incumbent upon everybody who is capable, first of all, to get smart about these things. It, it is a complex healthcare world. Um, and, and, and so, you know, that the burden really is on us patients, but but you know, you provide a great service uh, with what you're doing even with, with this show. We try to provide a service with what the Chronic Disease Coalition does to, to provide resources, to provide training, all those sorts of things, to help just individual Americans, you know, living with whatever chronic disease they have to be able to fight and advocate for themselves to be able to speak to the press to be able to go meet with their legislator to be able to go meet with their congressperson. and I, and I think that really gets to the heart of what we're talking about with these new sort of uh, challenges with the Part B side of Medicare.
0: Okay and lastly how can our listeners get in touch with the chronic disease coalition? <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, first of all, I welcome that. So again, we we are we're nationwide. We're headquartered here in Portland, Oregon, where it rains a lot. I'm <laughs> <Hold on, laughs> looking at my window now, and it's kind of a actually a nice day in December. Um, we uh so it's it's one of those easy things. It's just ChronicDiseaseCoalition.org. So it's a it's a big long header, but if you if you do ChronicDiseaseCoalition.org, uh, you'll find our website, uh, and within the website, there's all the contact information. You can call us. You can email us. Uh, we have pictures of our entire team there, so you can see what I look like, and you can see what our what you know the real the real strength of our team is, is are are my partners with this, and and we just got uh you know we've we've got uh you know we we hear every patient that calls and we get their story and then based on where that patient is, what disease that or diseases that patient may have, and what that patient is willing to do, we will we will find opportunities for them to engage and to and ultimately improve their situation. One of the things I'm most proud of is our ambassador program. And so we have about 30 ambassadors across the country now that are, I would say, kind of higher level uh, patient advocates. These are folks that have, you know, that are, are, that, you know, they're not employed by us, but they're, but they're strong, strong volunteers. Um, that, that act, you know, all, not only on their own behalf or their own advocacy interests, but also help with the Chronic Disease Coalition and the, and the battles that we fight to protect patients' rights in whatever state and whatever disease set. So, um, if that's something your, your listeners are interested in, we would more than welcome that conversation and just get on the phone with you and talk about that. But again, it's chronicdiseasecoalition.org. Um, a whole bunch of information there. Um, ways to contact your legislator if that's if that's ever a challenge. And yeah, I would just absolutely welcome. Um, we're, we're, we've got thousands of patients that we're associated with now, and, and the, the bigger and the stronger we get, the more the more influence we'll have. Susan, as you know.
0: Well, let me extend this to you. I know you have a busy schedule, but let me extend this to you. Anything I can do on my end by broadcasting it, I'm here for you. Um, that's great. I'm here for you and if your patients would like, well, not your patients, your clients would like to get the word out, just have them to get in contact with me um, and I'm here for you. Anything I can do to assist, I'm here.
1: Well, that's fantastic, Susan. I very much appreciate that. You have, you have to be careful because we'll take you up on that. <laughs> it's and no I wanna, problem. I just want to thank you for... Yeah, I just want to thank you for the great work you're doing, especially in the lupus community. I mean, this is a, it's a difficult, I don't have it. One of my best friends in the world does. I know how difficult that disease is and, and some of the, you know, the other factors that go along with that disease. And so I just want to thank you for doing the great work that you're doing, all, you know, similar to what we're doing on, on patient advocacy, getting the word out. Um, We are more, you know, we in the chronic disease community are as successful as people know about it. If, if people are in the dark and don't know what, you know, what our issues are, don't know what our diseases are, don't know the challenges we face, then we're not going to solve these problems. But if we can continue to speak into the, you know, speak into the world, if you will, and and, and tell people about that, it's, it's not as not as victims, but as, as advocates as right. champions. Um, that's exactly what we're going to need to do to, to to fight this battle. And I don't see this battle letting up anytime soon.
0: Well that's great. That's great. And I thank you so much for your time and appreciate you being on the show today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And have a great rest of the day.
0: You too. All right. Bye. Entrepreneur and creator of Right Side of 50. And I am my sister's keeper. Sheila Smith, Motivational and Empowerment Speaker, is available for your next empowerment event and conference. You can book her for your next event at rightsideof 50 at gmail.com. That's R-I-G-H-T-S-I-D-E-O-F-50 at gmail.com or call at seven eight two nine three six eight two one. Each one encourage one. Welcome aboard Leah's Closet Royal Oak Vintage Boutique and Styling. Leah's Closet carries an array of designer vintage clothing. Check them out on IG at Leah's Closet Royal Oak Vintage. They do accept PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, and they also ship. If you're in the metropolitan Detroit area, stop by Leah's Closet at... 722 West 11 Mile Road Royal Oak, Michigan 48067 Once again, I would like to thank Scott Bruin, the Executive Director of Chronic Disease Coalition for taking time out of his busy schedule to discuss The advocacy work that they do in his organization and also for telling his and his daughter's experience dealing with type 1 diabetes. Now you can go follow Chronic Disease Coalition on Twitter and look them up on the web and find out more about this wonderful organization. Ladies, if you would like to have fun, before Christmas, join the creator and motivational speaker, Sheila Smith, right side of 50 for Christmas dinner at Pesco's, December 22nd, 2018 at 5.30. Pascals is located at 180 Northside Drive, Atlanta, Georgia. Please RSVP right side of 50 at gmail.com. Some restrictions apply. Thank you for joining me this Friday for my story, Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendrick. Next Friday will be our last show for 2018. But don't worry, we'll be back full force January 2019 at her regular scheduled day. So, I will see you next Friday for my story, Living with Lupus. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. feel that you can't speak to anyone, remember there's help for you. Contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You're never alone.